This podcast is brought to you by Lacrosse All-Stars. Growing the game, one podcast at a time. Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yavoli. The Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their life to the game of lacrosse and learning about who they are, how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports. And if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a travel or club team, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. It's the essential all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents. Unlike other team apps, Game Changer Team Manager is free, easy to use, and doesn't serve ads. You can learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager. Today in the show, we have Coach John Galloway. Coach Galloway is on his second season as the head coach of Jacksonville Men's Lacrosse. At the time of this recording, Jacksonville is currently 4-4. Four and four. Coach Galloway was a goaltender at Syracuse University. He has an NCAA record of 59 wins. He was the first two-time first-team All-American goalie in Syracuse history. He's also the first goalie in NCAA history to win a national championship in his freshman and sophomore year. In the MLL, he was named Rookie of the Year for the Rochester Rattlers, and in 2014, he was the MLL Goalie of the Year. He's an MLL All-Star and a member of the 2014 and 2018 U.S. National Team. He started off his coaching career at Providence University, where he helped their goalie become the Big East Goaltender of the Year and all Big East First Team honors. That was the first time in the program's history that someone from Providence earned that honor. In our convo today, we talk about things like how he's trying to establish a strong culture at JU, how he prepares his team week in and week out, and much, much more. This is a great conversation for young coaches who are trying to build a strong culture and set the tone for their program. Here's my interview with Coach Galloway. Coach John Galloway, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the talk. So first question, how'd you get started playing lacrosse? You know, I grew up in a town where lacrosse is really important. You know, I, I equated a lot of times to being like a football in Texas. You know, you grow up mm-hmm. going to games on Saturday nights and uh, my brother played, he was 10 years older than me. So I, I grew up watching him and his buddies in the backyard and uh, fell in love with it when I was five or six years old and started going to the youth programs and uh, haven't stopped since. So when you first started playing, um, were you in the goal right away or did you, did you go around from position to position to figure out the one that you liked the best? Yeah, I tried a lot of different things. I played a lot of midfield early on in my career, but I, I seemed to always gravitate to the goal. Mm-hmm. I remember asking my mom for my first goalie stick and she, she refused to let me have it. She, she really didn't want it to happen. And, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I used a, a backup one in show park for my first couple of years. And, um, you know, even when I was in goal, I always thought I was still a midfielder. I tried to carry the ball up right. uh, every time and, you know, coaches would get all over me. But, um, I remember I finally convinced my mom to go to Dick's and, and buy me my first stick and, uh, I never put it down and really just fell in love with the position early on. For some reason, I just kind of gravitated toward it and, and never left it. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious, why do you think you gravitated to that position? 
You know, I think it was a, it's a lot about who you watch as a kid. You know, when you grow up watching certain players on certain teams, uh, there was a young man named Jeremy Platt, who was the goalie at West Tennessee at the time. And, uh, very similar to my style of play. He ran out, you know, ran out of the cage, tried to pick off passes. You know, I just love that he could affect the game in so many ways. And mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, watching him as a kid growing up, that was a big reason why I wanted to play the position. Right, right. So, uh, you know, so you said Jeremy Platt. Who who are some of the other idols that you looked up to as you were growing up? You know, I was so fortunate to grow up in Syracuse where you get a chance to watch guys like Jay Pfeiffer and Robbie Mulligan. And, you know, I, I think that those players played with such a, a fearlessness that it made the position look a little bit more fun than, you know, sometimes how people think of the goalie position. So mm-hmm. uh, I would really point to those two guys early on in my career. Mm-hmm. And then obviously guys like Tillman Johnson, uh, you know, that the performance in the Final Four that I think all young goalies had a chance to watch and really fall in love right. with the position. Right. Um, so, so this is one thing that I'm always curious about talking to a goalie. Um, what are some of the things that you do as a player, let's say in high school to get better at your position, right? So as an attackman, you know, obviously pretty much any position you go to the wall. Um, but what are some of the things that goalies do, um, to get themselves better at their position? You know, I actually took a lot of pride in doing just that. You know, I Mm -hmm. think, uh, our, our school took so much pride in wall ball. And, you know, I, I identified, you know, the thing that I, I the term that I use a lot with coaching is differentiation at the goalie position. Uh, I think it's really tough for coaches to, to decide who the best goalie is on any given day. I think practices, uh, some goalies are hot, some aren't. Um, but one thing I found that I could be consistently good at was, was having a really good stick and, and being able to play with both hands. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember growing up and, and people being shocked that I could throw the ball left-handed uh, right. similar to my right hand. And I, I thought that that just set my game apart a little bit where I could maybe separate myself. Even if I wasn't having the best day in cage, I was still, you know, making plays outside of the goal or in the clearing game that allowed me to maybe separate myself from the pack. So right. um, I would point to that early on in my career as, a, as an area of my game I, I spent a lot of time on. Mm-hmm. So I've actually uh, now I'm thinking about it. I've never noticed. Do you switch hands while you're in the cage? Like if the if you know if say the ball is on the left hand side of the field, do you put the stick in the right hand and vice versa on the on the the right hand side of the field? You put it in the left. You know I did. Yeah, yeah, I did in high school. You know my JV coach asked me to try. I was you know I was pretty comfortable with my left hand, so we tried it a little bit. Just. Uh, not as natural, um, right. you know, for sure. Maybe with as the shots got a little bit faster, so I phased out of it. But gotcha. uh, it's it's tough. That's definitely a difficult thing to do. Right, right. right. Um, so, so as you were growing up, um, were did you play any other sports, or was it just lacrosse? Yeah, I played basketball and football, and um, you know, certainly uh, I, I wish I played football longer, but played basketball throughout, and mm-hmm. you know, definitely one of my favorite sports to play beyond lacrosse. Right, right. How did that? Um, how did that help your game at all? You know, I think just in terms of communication. You know, I was mm-hmm. I was the point guard on my basketball team, and just being able to you know decipher defenses and or, or offenses, and and then have the opportunity to communicate. I, I feel like other sports just gave me the you know empowered me to be a leader, as opposed to really you know in the goal. And there's not a ton of things that may translate. You know, athletically moving laterally mm-hmm. for sure in basketball, but. More, more importantly than that, I thought just leadership, ability to communicate and do it and to do it effectively. Right, right. That actually that makes a lot of sense that you were a point guard. I feel like that that translates nicely to some of the things that a goalie needs to do in terms of commanding the defense. Is that right? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think that 
you know, a lot of things that you see, you have to be able to dissect it early on and very similar to in the goal where you get to see the whole play develop, I think uh, allows your vision to, uh, you know, take everything in and, and try to process it pretty quickly. Right, right, right. And so, uh, you know, jumping around a little bit, but you mentioned uh, in your previous answer, you mentioned differentiation as a goalie. Um, what were some of the things that you did uh, as a player in high school to stand out and get noticed? Uh, you know, it was unique. It wasn't recruiting like it is now. It was mm-hmm. really spending time with your high school coaches and proving to them that you were worthy of playing college lacrosse. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for example, every Tuesday in the fall, I'd go to shooting camp, you know, with Coach Masser. And, um, you know, it was, it was usually all offensive players, but I thought it was important that I was there and that I was developing my skills outside of the cage. Um, right. I thought that that, you know, showed that yeah, I'm willing to learn all the positions and, and understand how to defend against it in the cage because I kind of know what they're expecting to do as well. So mm-hmm. um, I spent a lot of time with other positions and, uh, you know, coach used to have me play defense in the fall just to understand what I was yelling, you know, why I was yelling and, and right. how to communicate better with those guys and um, help me become more of a general on the field, I thought. Right, right. That's such an underrated point, I, I feel like, because that's one thing that I remember from when I was growing up that, uh, you know, Whenever I, um, you know, I rarely did this, but whenever I went to the other side of the field, um, you know, to play defense, whether we were messing around or whether I just, you know, wanted to do it for like a few minutes during practice, say, which would rarely happen. But I always remember afterwards having such a different perspective about the way that people guard me and the way that the game is played. And I feel like I wish kids and I hope kids are moving around from position to position for however little time it'll it'll be because I feel like it opens their eyes so much more and helps them at the position that they want to focus on more than they actually realize. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, it's just like watching film. You learn so much as a coach that I wish I knew as a player, but right. uh, on the field, it's the same thing. You see it from such a different perspective. Right, right, right. So, uh, so what made you decide on Syracuse? You know, I fell in love with it uh, early on, obviously, as a kid growing up going to the dome and watching games um i, I actually I, I was looking at uh virginia and duke those were the other two schools and mm-hmm. um kind of the chaos with everything with duke happened just you know the year prior to me going to high school right. um and i just felt like syracuse uh you know the final straw was really the new house the school uh you know i was a communications uh major and i wanted to do broadcasts and mm-hmm. obviously new house is one of the best schools in the country for that and uh when i was accepted into that program i felt like it was you know, it was the right thing professionally and uh, athletically just to stay at home and, and get a great education and, uh, you know, obviously play for one of the most storied programs in the country. Right, right. And uh, and did you feel like it was a fit right away? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, I went to school with my freshman class. It was a lot of local guys. Uh, we played together on the Empire team, and, mm-hmm. you know, we had a chance to room together before that. It's just, uh, you know, right when I stepped on campus, I knew that was the place for me. Right, right, right. Um, so, you know, uh, like we mentioned in the in the phone call before we started recording, um, we're going to focus mostly on, on you as a coach. So we're kind of maybe we'll do a second interview on the college. But uh, one thing that I do want to ask you, I've asked everybody who's a player, um, if you could look back on your college career, um, what would be one thing, if anything, that you would do differently? Yeah, I felt like, um, you know, when you have success early on in your college career and, you know, we were fortunate to win two championships my freshman and sophomore year, I think you take it for granted a little bit, you know, and uh, you you kind of expect that type of success. And um, I truly believe our best team was my senior year. And Hmm. we probably didn't work as hard as we could have 
to ensure that we achieved our goals. And, uh, you know, I, I think looking back, just, you know, taking more shots, spending more time in the film room, getting the young guys more acclimated to what it's going to take to win a championship. I, I always regret that. And right. uh, I talk to our players about that now, about, you know, never having the same regret that I did. Mm-hmm. I think that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, uh, you know, moving on to your coaching career, what made you uh, want to start coaching? You know, I had no intention to do that. Uh, you know, I was um, I was actually doing the summer circuit after graduation and doing camps and had a chance to work at camp with uh, Coach Janowski, and we were sitting down having lunch down in Florida, actually, and uh, he kind of sat me down and told me a little bit about it and convinced me about the volunteer position at Duke, and about a week later, I drove down and, and started coaching. So it was, it was really kind of on a whim and uh, one of the best decisions I've ever made. So what drew you to that volunteer position what did he what did he say to you that made it so enticing I think just his perspective you know he didn't really talk a ton about lacrosse he talked a lot about working with young kids and developing them you know off the field and having a chance to mentor some of the guys who were you know Jordan Wolf was a sophomore at the time and Mm -hmm. uh you know Jake Trapuca and Dave Lawson I mean they had such young talent and just talking a lot about you know helping them mature and Uh, that attracted me. I felt like I could have an impact early on in my, you know, my professional career and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, triggered me to, to taking that chance. Right. And, and so, uh, when you started off, was it, um, you know, Hey, let me try this out. Or did you, did you realize immediately that, yeah, this is something that I want to do long-term? Yeah, it took only a couple of weeks for me to realize that that's something I wanted to do. And I was lucky. I was surrounded by great coaches, you know, Coach Gabrielli, who I eventually worked for at Providence, and Coach Ron Caputo, who's one of my mentors to this day that I talk to pretty frequently. And then obviously Coach Janowski, just that experience overall uh, kind of led me to realize that this is something that I could do for a life. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, you, you mentioned a few, but uh, so when you started out, who are the coaches, or I guess even now, who are the coaches that you look up to that you try to um, sort of model your, for I guess for lack of a better term, model your coaching style after? Well, I was fortunate to work and play under a lot of great coaches. You know, obviously Coach Macera and the Donahue brothers, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Kevin and Tom Donahue have a huge impact on how I coach the game. Mm-hmm. Um, coach Macera and Coach Deegan at West Tennessee, those two legends that uh, I talked to Coach Deegan once a week, and, you know, he's a guy that I really lean on heavily, especially when things are tough. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and then Syracuse, you, you have this aura of Coach Simmons that I got to be around while, while I didn't get to play for him. You know, you really get to know him and understand what he stood for. And I think we do a lot of things that Coach Simmons does. You know, I learned mm-hmm. a lot from just being in that program. Um, but I think most of our, my philosophies come from Coach Janowski. Uh, I'm certainly from the school of Janowski in terms of how we approach practice and how we approach team building and culture. And uh, I learned so much from him. And now being able to play for him on Team USA, I think I'm learning even more every every week. Right, right. So can you can you talk a little bit more um, about, um, I guess, his philosophy and how that translates into your philosophy, how you guys are um, – how you guys are utilizing that philosophy in Jacksonville right now? Yeah, I think number one, he's an educator. You know, Coach Janowski is not a coach. He's an educator. He's a teacher at heart. You know, that's what he started his career doing. And, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about doing simple better, you know, doing basic mm-hmm. fundamentals at a, at a high rate. And I think sometimes teams get caught up with the X's and O's and, uh, you know, schematic part of the game. But our focus is on how to pick up a ground ball, you know, how to run to the man they're passing to, how to shoot overhand and, and how to, you know, basic footwork. I mean, we just – 
we use the term a lot, do simple better. And I think that that's just a, a simple concept that we stole from Coach Janowski about not focusing so much on, you know, the grand scheme or the, you know, the, the big play at the end of the game, but more so how we get out with our feet and uh, how we exchange the ball and uh, how we support our teammates. So I think those basic concepts are really what we've employed here at JU. Right. So you guys are focusing um, mostly on like the foundational elements of the game. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, even this part of the year, we're still doing that. Right. And and can you talk a little bit, how does that translate into, uh, into, into practice? What, What are you guys doing that? How are you guys putting that to work? I think a lot of the things that we do skeleton early on are um, are elementary in in nature, but you know the speed at which we do it is what we focus on. You know, if we're doing ground balls, we try to we try to make everything a little bit harder than it would be in a game uh, in a small setting. You know, we we teach part whole. You know, so you teach a small part of the game and then build into the whole the whole part, which might be a six on six or a scrimmage setting. Um, you know, we focus a lot on basic fundamentals, you know, we term, we, we term everything. So we really have our own language and every term has a meaning that's as basic as get out of your feet or as basic as, uh, you know, move it twice off the ground, but everything is termed. So when you're out there, you'll hear a different language that our guys are not coaching themselves on. And I think that's a huge goal of ours. And we're certainly not there yet is is to be player coached and because we've given them a language and we've given them the, the verbiage to correct themselves. Now they can hold each other accountable. So it's like we have 45 coaches out there. Right. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. So I want to, um, I want to step back a little bit cause we're already in Jacksonville, but I, I, I want to talk a little bit, um, about your first couple of years at Providence. Um, you know, sort of, uh, tell us about those, about those years and, and what were the, what were the biggest lessons that you learned, um, say from your first year at Providence? Yeah, it was it was a really fun ride at Providence and something I'll never forget. You know, we we came into a program that was uh I believe 1 and 12 or 0 and 13 the year prior and right. we we were able to turn it around and you know finish 8 and 8 the next season and you know all it was was culture. It had nothing to do with recruiting, it had nothing to do with talent. It just had to do with holding each other accountable and uh you know, I if there's one thing I took from Providence, it's it's culture both as an athletic department. I thought our athletic director was absolutely incredible and you can see with what he's done with their basketball program and their hockey program and lacrosse right. uh, he's changed the way that they do business and uh, it started from him and then obviously from coach Gabrielli uh, on a more uh, micro level with the lacrosse team you know just how we how we practiced you know mm-hmm. how we woke up at 6 a.m and we lifted four times a week and we ran and you know we just held guys to a different standard that they might have been used to right right so so those were the those were the changes that you guys made was um, you know, early morning practice, harder lifts, things like that. Those are the things that contributed um, to culture or were there, were there other things as well? I think there's a lot of things that go into it. I mean, culture is a, you know, a multi-year process, but I think right. from a, you know, just from a, on the surface, it was as simple as changing it from a, this is a club team to this is a division one athletic program. And this right. is, and these are our standards. Um, and that was the biggest change. Right, right, right. So, uh, so let's talk about um, you know your first year at Jacksonville. Uh, you know, you get the job. Uh, I think it was June in 2016, right? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I started right around mid July. Um, right. Yeah, I, I interviewed down around June. Yeah, so yeah, it was, a, it was you know throughout the last summer, kind of transitioning to this job. Gotcha, gotcha. So uh, you know, you take over that position. What's your goal when you're named Jacksonville's head coach? Uh, I think it was very similar to what we did at Providence. It was, 
it was reminding the guys that, you know, times are changing here and it wasn't going to be a, a beach team anymore where, you know, guys are drinking five nights a week and hanging out at the beach. It's, you know, there's a commitment that goes with, with being able to wear our Jersey. And, um, you know, we certainly had to weed out a lot, you know, there's a lot of guys, I think that just came here just to say that they were on a division one team and uh, we had to change that. We had to make some difficult decisions and uh, we're still in the process of doing that. You know, we're only about 18 months in and still learning a lot about what we need to be a championship kind of, uh, of program. Right. Right. If you, if you can, can you talk a little bit um, tactically, like what are you guys doing to sort of make that statement? How are you weeding people out? How are you, um, how are you, uh, making sure that the culture shifts to we are a big time serious division one uh, lacrosse team. Yeah, I think uh, it's about establishing a standard first and seeing what lives, who lives up to that. And, you know, we, we use the term uh, of high performers. And, you know, what we've done is we've created tangible scores for everything that they do in their lives. And that's mm-hmm. athletically, that's in the weight room. Um, you know, that's in the classroom. You know, we ask our guys have to sit in the front two rows. They can't wear hats. Um, you know, in the, on the lacrosse field, we, we do a required, you know, not required, it's optional, but, uh, it, it's become kind of a requirement. It's a individual work every day at noon. Uh, you know, right. we're trying to make doing extras cool, you know, where right. when we got here, if you did, you know, if you went and shot more than the team, then you were, you were considered kind of a go hard. And, uh, hmm. now if you don't go, you're considered a, a bump, you know, and, and that's, right. that's our goal is that, you know, doing more is, is the expectation. It's, it's what you're supposed to do. It's not what's, uh, it's not doing something extra. And, um, I think that that's been the longest transition, but you're starting to see guys really understand what that looks like. And, and, and then people have results on game day. You know, the guys that mm-hmm. show up to Duval hour every day at 12 are the guys that are contributing on Saturday afternoons. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how has, how has the team itself responded, um, to that goal and that attitude? You know, it's uh, it's always a pushback early on, and last year it was. And uh, again, we had to really uh, be patient with some guys. You know, some guys that were just going to stick around the program and hang out, and then we had to push some guys out. And mm-hmm. you know, our roster overhaul between last year and this year is is dramatic. And uh, mm-hmm. you never want that. You never wish upon that. But uh, I think in college athletics, when you get a new coaching staff and you really do want to change it. You have to make some tough decisions. And um, I, I would say we're probably another year or two away from being really where we believe we need to be. But mm-hmm. uh, right now we have a lot of guys that, you know, uh, are bought into what our expectations are. And, and again, are starting to breathe it as opposed to just talk about it. And once we start living and breathing our, our standards, I think you'll start to see a shift in culture. Right, right. So is that original goal that you had uh, your first season, is that still the goal now or has the goal changed from year one to year two? I think it's changed. I mean, I I think that our expectations have have drastically changed. And we told Mm -hmm. the guys that just this past week, you know, we're um, we're a team that's four and four right now and has three one goal losses. And all four losses were to top 20 teams at the time. And, um, you know, the, the expectation isn't just to be close anymore. It's, it's, it's to win those games. It's to win a SoCon championship. It's to play in the NCAA tournament. And I think last year we'd be lying if we were to use that terminology. So, um, you know, now it's, now the, the expectation is, you know, we've done the work, we've, we've lived the culture and, and now, you know, the, the results should start to show themselves and, and they're starting to, and it's, it's rewarding for our guys. Right. Right. Definitely. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, uh, let's talk a little bit, um, about a typical practice for you guys. Can, can you walk us through a typical, um, in season practice for Jacksonville? 
Yeah, you know, it's uh, it changes definitely based on the week. You know, today, for example, is Tuesday. It's it's certainly our go day. We call this Championship Tuesday, and this is our two and a half hour kind of grinded out practice. Right. Um, but you know, our, our our points of emphasis are again still fundamentals. You know, one day's focus on stick work, and one day is focused on ground balls, and we try to alternate those. And um, and then when we go beyond that, we always have. Uh, we always have at least three drills that are kind of our staples. And again, it's, it's based on whether we're trying to get up and down that day or trying to win the six on six battle. And, you know, we're a team that, uh, we, we take a lot of pride in being able to play both games. Uh, we, we want to be able to play fast, but there's going to be games where, uh, like this past week against Bellarmine, where they slow it down and we have to be able to win those games as well. And, uh, we don't want to be a one trick pony. So, uh, we alternate our days and I think that allows our guys bodies to recover uh, so, for example, yesterday was focused on full field and, and understanding transition situations and recognizing face-off opportunities and subbing opportunities. And today will be more in the box. It'll be more uh, physical one-on-one battles and uh, defending team defense four-on-fours and, and then obviously starting to transition into six-on-six six as we as we start to scout high point and, and look, about, look at what they're capable of and, and try to take away their strengths and, and expose their deficiencies. Right, right. And and how structured are your practices? Are they, uh, you know, for example, at, at UVA, um, practices were timed for me down to a minute, right? And then up at Syracuse, um, not so much. Uh, how are you guys running things? Is it is it very structured down to the minute? Or is it, uh, are, are you guys um, just have a loose practice plan? Um, and you guys will uh, change things based on how practice is going? Yeah. You know, our assistant coaches make fun of me all the time. You know, I'm very to the minute. Um, you know, I, I, I do believe that you have to be flexible. You know, if the drill's not going your way, then you have to adapt. Um, but you know, on days when we're playing the right way, it's, it's, you know, it's, I'm as particular as a seven minute drill to a nine minute drill to an eight minute drill. And I just, you know, we sit down every day as a staff and, and almost over an hour and, uh, this is probably the longest we've ever met as a staff this year, but uh, I think it's been effective. You know, we really talk about our team. We talk about our personnel. We we have in-depth conversations, so we're not just going out there and, and rolling the ball out. And I think uh, sometimes sometimes you have to, but uh, this time of the year is really making sure our guys are, are hitting stride by Thursday afternoon, Friday afternoon, and, and feeling mentally and physically strong come Saturday right. at noon. So um, it, it takes a lot of planning and it takes a lot of time to talk about. And uh, I really enjoy those, those meetings because uh, I think we're critical of each other and, and start mm-hmm. to you know, dissect how we can make our team better. Right. Right. And, and are you, when you do make those practice plans, are you sharing it with the team beforehand? You know, last year we did. This year we do not. Um, you know, we just feel like uh, our guys have to be able to expect the unexpected. And, right. you know, we felt like sometimes the guys were prepping for the harder drills and maybe milking it a little bit prior to that hard drill just because they knew it was coming. Um, so we've, we've, we've adapted that, and the guys have responded. You know, we challenge them to, to be fast and to execute, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll shorten practice as long as we're going full speed. And uh, last week our best practice of the year was about an hour and 15 minutes, and it was slated mm-hmm. to be – two hours and five minutes. Um, hmm. But when you're executing, you don't have to, you don't have to drag it out. And it was, it was pretty cool to see. And it was rewarding for those guys. Right. Right. If you, if you can, I'm curious, uh, you know, I know the practice happened last year, but um, what was happening in that practice that made you shorten it from two hours and five minutes to an hour and 15? What, what made you decide that, you know what, these guys have had enough. They, they put the work in. We're going to call it early. 
I think you can tell just from the engagement of the sidelines. You know, when a drill is going the right way, you, you can hear it from the sidelines. You know, we we heard a couple times during the drill, you know, uh, guys, especially our seniors were saying, you know, the boys are buzzing right now. They're really buzzing, and you right. could feel it. You know, they were – the balls – you know, the ball was on guys' sticks. I mean, every pass was – with precision, uh, mm-hmm. defensively, we were getting heavy to the ball. We were, we were, we were pressuring the ball. We were forcing those guys into difficult situations. Um, it wasn't one of those practices where you know the offense was good because the defense was bad. It was both sides were pushing each other, and it allowed us to expedite all of our drills because we really felt like we we understood the concepts. Right, right. And so, did you feel like um, you know the players? Uh, the players hit all the notes or did you end it early as almost a reward for playing so well? Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we didn't really even realize how early we ended it. We just, huh. sometimes in those practices, we kind of have a feel, I'll blow the whistle and, you know, we've executed our plan here, you know, with two V twos, we felt really good about our pick play and all right, right. let's move on. And, uh, you know, we don't keep it on the scoreboard anymore. I just keep it on my watch. And by the time I look down at the second to last drill, we were, we were about 45, 50 minutes ahead, and it was just because we felt like we were executing. Wow. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, all right. So how much, uh, you know, during a given practice or let's say during a given week, how much is individual work um, versus teamwork? How are you structuring things like that? You know, a lot of our individual work is done at noon uh, every day. That's really when guys can come out and focus on their game. But mm-hmm. in the practice, it's more focused by position. Uh, we're very fortunate to have four, you know, four coaches on our staff that know what they're talking about. You know, we have a Tyler Grinelli who works with the faceoffs and the offense, and we have Ryan Leibel who's working with the defense, and Andrew Vossler, our volunteer, who was who was the defensive coordinator at Rollins for the last two years, who mm-hmm. was capable of running a defense. So you know, we split it up. You know, sometimes I'm with the attack and. Coach Grinnell's with the middies and Coach Foster's with our rope unit and Coach Lively's with the defense and goalies. And mm-hmm. I think that we, we, we coach more in those segments than we do individuals. And then, you know, as we progress through practice, we'll start to get into group work. But um, individual work is really kind of based on your unit at that point in the practice. And uh, it could be as small as five or six guys. It could be as big as 10 to 15 guys. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about how you guys prepare for upcoming opponents, um, what is your typical prep prep work um, during a given game week? Yeah, so a week like this, when we're Saturday to Saturday, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, reviewing ourselves on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Monday is really focused strictly on us and our deficiencies. So, as a team, we review the film on Monday, and then we, you know, do five or six things that we felt like we struggled with. And and today we'll we'll continue to focus on us, but as a coaching staff we'll start to leak in a little bit of, of high point tendencies and uh, start to focus a little bit on what we can do uh, to, to affect them. But we won't talk about high point today. We'll focus mm-hmm. more on us still. And uh, as a coaching staff, we're watching the film, we're putting together a scouting report and, and then we'll send that out electronically tonight mm-hmm. after practice. Uh, right. And then Wednesday as a team, we'll meet before practice and we'll review the film. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll review part one. We call it, and we do two parts. Uh, part one will be, you know, high points, really their tendencies. And then Wednesday and Thursday will be focused really on high point and, and starting to execute the plan there. And uh, by Friday, it's just sharpening the ax and, you know, making sure we understand the plan. We've done it live twice. So that's really more so kind of a, just a, a dry run. And, and then Saturday, you hope you execute. Right, right. So um, let's go let's go through that week, week real quick, if that's okay. So, uh, so you said, you know, on a typical Saturday, Saturday week, uh, you guys review yourselves on Sunday. Um, 
what are you, what are those sessions like? What, what exactly are you guys looking for? Uh, you mean on, on like Sunday or yeah, uh, sorry on a Sunday when you guys are reviewing yourself, um, what are yeah. you guys looking for after that game? Yeah. You know, we're just trying to find our deficiencies. You know, we, we've tried to watch the film like, uh, like we're scouting ourselves and mm-hmm. what, what could a team try to capitalize on, on the next week if they had just watched our film. And, uh, for example, this week it was transition. You know, we felt like we, we gave away a lot of transition opportunities and uh, on both ends, both offensively mm-hmm. and defensively. And, uh, you know, we grade the film. So there's, there's a, we have a stat expectation for everything. And uh, when you look at, um, you know, our transition opportunities, we got 11 shots, uh, but we only scored three goals. And why are we not mm-hmm. uh, scoring at a higher clip, you know, with that many opportunities right. and uh, transition defense, you know, we gave up five goals, uh, this past Saturday, but three of them were in transition defense. So, you know, while we felt like the six on six plan was pretty good, uh, we felt like we gave up, uh, you know, more than half of our goals just playing transition D and that's, that's a concern of ours. So, right. uh, we stat it and then we try to pick the two or three things that we need to focus on it to improve. And then, uh, and then, so you said you guys are focusing on yourself on Monday. So are those, you know, when you guys point out those deficiencies on Sunday, is that what Monday's practice is focused on? Exactly. So, like for example, yesterday, Monday afternoon, we watched the film of those clips, and then we went out yesterday for about an hour and a half and did transition drills only. Uh, we strictly focused on getting into the paint and, and matching up. We, we mm-hmm. focused on recognizing advantage versus disadvantage situations on the offensive end and uh, subbing situations and, and um, taking advantage of, of opportunities where we might have two or three steps on, on the opponent in, in the subbing game. And that's all right. we did for yesterday. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with, you know, an organized practice. It was just, let's get up and down and, and address what we weren't great at on Saturday. Right. Right. And then, so, um, and then, so you said on Tuesday, uh, you know, so take, for example, this week, you said you'll start leaking in some things about high point, but you won't actually mention high point. Can you, uh, I mean, this might be hard to do over the phone, but can you uh, maybe give an example of how you would leak something in um, about your upcoming opponent without actually mentioning the opponent? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of um, watching High Point right now, for example, you know, they and similar to Bellarmine last week, you know, they do a lot of invert. And that's an opportunity for us to, you know, not talk about them, but practice our defending behind the cage with our short sticks. You know, where traditionally you might just do one-on-ones and your short sticks usually gravitate uh, above the cage well we'll spend a lot of time today with our short six defending behind and defending through picks and their big little looks and you know we don't have to talk about them we just you just have to defend the ball behind the cage how we defend the ball and uh, we can practice a little bit of our invert defense and we can you know in the riding and clearing game you know they do a great job pressuring down downfield so you know in part of our individual work for our defense we'll will simulate a lot of attack ball pressure on the ball for our defense and, and, and checking back in the clearing game to, to provide outlets. So we can leak all those things in without having to stay at high points. Just, Hey, this right. is, this is something that we can improve on as a skill set. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, uh, so Wednesday, when you guys are reviewing film, um, you guys are looking at it. Are you guys looking at film from a team standpoint? Uh, you know, like the offense is reviewing the defense, um, or is it more from an individual viewpoint where you know number forty-two is going to guard uh, is going to be guarded by number ten? Here's the individual tendencies. How do you guys break it up? Yeah, yeah, we don't do that too much on Wednesday. It's more team focused. It is. It's offense. It's defense. It's you know then team clips, which is riding, clearing the face-off game. 
Um, personnel usually comes on Thursday where we t- start to talk about matchups and how we want to defend specific guys. But uh, it, it's more holistic early on, just understanding what that team's good at and then, you know, start to get into the weeds a little bit come Thursday. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then talk about uh, Friday. You said it's sharpening the ax. What does that look like? Yeah, Friday's about us. You know, Friday, you know, we'll we'll walk through. We we do we always do three sessions for an opponent. So we try to pick the three things they're good at offensively or defensively. And those are the three sessions we're talking about the opponent. And um beyond that, it's all about having your stick dialed in, you know, understanding our plan in terms of transition and O and D, uh, making sure the guys feel comfortable. You know, for example, we'll be on the road this week, so you know, seven hour bus ride to high point, And then you get off the bus and you just want your guys knowing that uh, they're ready for game day. They're shooting the ball. Well, they're, they're sharp and crisp on what we expected the plan. And, and then we're just kind of talking to each other about, you know, little tendencies that we can take advantage of. So here and there is a pointer, but it's more so, you know, you guys know the plan, you're confident with it. Now let's play as fast as we can, as short as we can, and, and make sure that, you know, you walk off the field knowing you're ready for game day. Right, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then so, so you as a coach, as, a, as the head coach, how are you preparing uh, for an upcoming opponent? What are, what are you looking to focus on yourself? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we see a lot of the Bill Belichick model of, you know, what are we really good at and how can we highlight that and what are they not good at and how can we, mm-hmm. how can we highlight that, you know? And, um, I, I, I used to only watch the game. Yeah. You know, I'd fast forward all the way to the ball got onto the defensive end and now I'm, you know, coaching the offense and, and, you know, making sure that everything in the plan is kind of, you know, congruent with each other. And, uh, I spent a lot of time reviewing, you know, whole films and uh, making sure that just the pulse of the game is going going to go the way we want it. You know, we want to dictate pace, and um, that's that's a challenge. It's a challenge with certain teams. So you have to figure out where we can, you know, maybe make some, uh, you know, opportunity opportunistic plays and uh, what two or three things we can really harp on throughout the week. I think young guys can't handle ten things. They need to mm-hmm. they need to know two or three important concepts and. And then we have to harp on that all week uh, and individual work and group work and team practice. And as long as they're singing those, those two or three things by Friday afternoon, you know, you've probably put together a pretty confident game plan. Right. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, uh, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. You know, I knew you got, uh, looks like we got 20 minutes left before you got the individual work. So I want to make sure I give you enough time to get to that. Um, but just, a few more questions on on recruiting. Um, how would you recommend, uh, you know, as a head coach, Division One team? Uh, how do you recommend that young players get noticed? Uh, I think a lot of kids think that they're being recruited, and I think that that's really the the misnomer. Uh, you know, we, there are thousands of kids that we have to go out and see, and uh, you know, it's very difficult for us to be able to weed through all the guys and figure out the right fit for us. I think it's really important that kids early on try to start to figure out what they want, you know, and they, they need to recruit us. And uh, what I mean by that is, do you want a small school? You know, we don't have big time college football on Saturdays. We don't have, um, you know, a huge Marshall street uh, on campus. We're a, we're a gated private, small, you know, uh, private college in the South, you know, and if you want to be in the South, you know, we probably cross off, 50% 50% of the recruits just because we're in Florida, you know, what kids want to travel to Florida and play college lacrosse? Well, right. there's a lot that do, but there's a lot that want to stay by home or stay in the Northeast or stay in the West. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that kids, if you want to play at the division one level, you can, you can really, you know, minimize your list based on three or four factors. 
uh, obviously what you want to study, uh, size of school, uh, ge geographic location, and all of a sudden you really have a small sample size that you can start to send your contact information to and attend prospect days and visit campus early on and get to know the coaching staff and how they coach. I think too many kids have no idea what they're getting into before they even get on the campus. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you're, you're recommending that kids do the vetting themselves before they even get into the recruiting process. Yeah, you know, I, I use the example all the time. If you're a goalie and you really uh, want to go to Ohio State, well, Ohio State might only see you for one half. And during that one half, your faceoff guy might win every faceoff. Mm -hmm. And they might see three shots, and, and, and that's it. And then they, mm -hmm. that might be the last time they see you. Unless you say, hey, I want Ohio State, and I'm going to send the Ohio State coaching staff my film, and I'm going to attend their prospect day, and I'm going to ask those coaches what events they're going to, and I'm going to make sure they see me play five halves you know, which is really only two and a half games, but now I've, I've identified my, my wants and I've, mm -hmm. I've put myself out there and, you know, you obviously have to be realistic and make sure you have backup options, but uh, you, you want to, you want to highlight your game in front of the people that you might be interested in. And I think too often kids just go on the summer recruiting trip and, and just hope that right. uh, a coach shows up and, you know, you might be at the 8am game and, uh, you know, the Ohio state coach is there, but, you know, he might have just driven in, you know, six hours and might be exhausted and might be having a coffee and might right. not watch you that closely. And that's right. just the reality of our of our sport right now. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give, uh, you know, obviously recruiting violations aside, you're the hypothetical kid, what uh, what advice would you give to a kid who says he's hoping to play for Jacksonville? What, what would what would you tell him? I tell them to, you know, to get on the website and, and look at what we have to offer. You know, we are a university that I think has a lot of niche programs, and we're a special place. Uh, I really believe that we can be the Denver of the South. You know, we, we're, we are striving to be the lacrosse capital of the South. So if that's something that you strongly have interest in about building a program, about, you know, studying certain specific programs like our business school or like our marine sciences or our kinesiology, uh, we have niche programs that you can go online and figure out what you want. And, and then after that, you, you come down, you know, you're going to come for a visit anyways. Mm -hmm. Why not come for a visit and have a chance to play with our coaching staff and, and get coached by us. And, you know, we make it really cheap. It's really, you know, it's easy to get to and, you're going to play in one of our practices. It's like living a day in the life of a JU athlete. And when you leave here, you're going to know if this is a fit for you or if maybe this isn't the place for you. And I think that that's the only way as a young man, you're going to be able to, to make that decision. Right. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I got to say having, um, having done two years at Syracuse playing lacrosse in Jacksonville doesn't sound so bad <laughs> at all. I've, I've gotten soft. I've gotten soft quick. I mean, I was on the wolf, on wolf field. Uh, right, it's, right. it's pretty enjoyable. Right, right. Um, well, listen, uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, there's just one question that I've asked everybody who comes on the show. Um, what are three things that everybody should do every day to get better at whatever it is they're doing? Doesn't have to just be lacrosse. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, uh, you know, watch other people perform your craft. You know, I think I grew up watching YouTube videos and, you know, if you're a business person, you, you know, you're growing up watching Ted speaking events and you, you know, you're, you're educating yourself every day. I think you read one article, uh, you know, that's something I've really tried to take a lot more investment in is I, I try to go online and read one article a day. And it's not always about lacrosse. Sometimes it's about mm -hmm. coaching. It's about leadership. It's about uh, CEOs who have developed company, fortune 500 companies, uh, you know, you know, expand your horizons outside of just your profession. 
Right. And then the last thing I think is, you know, just sit back and reflect. You know, one thing I always realize at the end of the week is I haven't really stopped and thought about the game. I haven't thought about the opponent. I've been so, you know, enamored with personnel and X's and O's, but, you know, sometimes it's okay to take a step back and reflect on, you know, your, your, your task at hand and understand, you know, there might be something you're missing, but you're not taking a step back and seeing it from a, a bigger picture. And that's something I've tried to do on Wednesday as opposed to waiting to Friday night when maybe it's too late. Right, right. I like it. I like all three. That's awesome. Well, listen, uh, Coach Galloway, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, looks like we got you out with a little bit of time to get to individuals. Um, but like I said, we will have to have you back for another interview maybe over the summer because we can do an equally long podcast um, devoted to just your playing career. So um, looking forward to talking again. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yavoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Yavoli. You can find more episodes of the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast on this season at thisseason.gc.com. If you like the podcast, please take a second to give it a positive review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports. And if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a traveler club team, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. It's an essential all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents. Game Changer Team Manager is free, it's easy to use, and it doesn't serve ads. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager. Until next time, keep working and keep getting better.